You're listening to Comedy Central. January 31st, 2019. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Tonight, our guest tonight is the new Democratic Congresswoman from Minnesota. Ilhan Omar is joining us, everyone. Also, also on tonight's show, we'll find out why you'll be sick on Monday. And Neil Brennan's here to talk about the ticking time bomb in your pants. But first, let's catch up on today's headlines. <laughs> Election Day. It's the most important day on the American calendar, right after Christmas and the release of the new Marvel movies. Many people wait in line for hours to vote, which is a problem if you also have to go to work, which is why Congress has proposed a bill to make Election Day a public holiday. Yeah, and that would be cool. You know who hates cool? This guy. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is slamming a bill that would make Election Day a federal holiday. Democrats also want taxpayers on the hook for generous new benefits for federal bureaucrats and government employees. Their bill would make Election Day a new paid holiday for government workers. Just what America needs, another paid holiday. <laughs> Why is he saying the good thing like it's a bad thing? <laughs> Just what America needs, another paid holiday. Someone's like, yes, that's exactly what America needs. <laughs> like if someone showed up at Mitch McConnell's place for the Super Bowl with a bunch of pizza and beer, he'd probably be like, oh great, now it's turned into a party. That's what they said. <laughs> mwah, mwah. Like, I don't know, like, you know what? Like, if I looked like a chicken clitoris, I would try and not be such a jerk. <laughs> because in most developed countries, voting day is not a work day. Because I guess in most developed countries, they want people to vote. But at the same time, I get where Mitch is coming from. You realize in 2016, three million more people voted Democrats. And that's when people couldn't get off work. Imagine what that number would be if they got a day off. He's probably thinking, if you make it a holiday, all the maids and butlers will vote. Meh. <laughs> then who will iron my toast? Meh. <laughs> but I, I don't think Mitch McConnell should really worry. Because if you know anything about America, you know that even if you give people election day off, a lot of people won't use it to vote, all right? Like on President's Day, it's a national holiday, but no one uses it to honor presidents, all right? No one's driving out to the Washington Monument in the middle of February, and I don't blame them. The thing doesn't even look like George Washington. Why would you go there? There's no hair, there's no face. What the the arms and legs. How does this work? It's the least accurate statue of all time. Anyway, moving on. It's been almost a week since President Trump's advisor, Roger Stone, was arrested for lying to Congress about his role in Russian interference with the 2016 election. And while Trump and his supporters don't seem too worried that his people keep getting arrested, they are very concerned about how they get arrested. Lindsey Graham wants a briefing from the FBI on the tactics agents used to arrest Roger Stone. This seems to me over the top, and I don't know what the message was being sent, but I personally didn't like it. Mueller, do your job, but these tactics are unacceptable given the level of threat here. President Trump telling the Daily Caller he is very disappointed with the way the raid went down. He says he will think about asking the FBI to review how it conducts its raids. That's right. 
President Trump wants to change how the FBI conducts its raids, which makes me wonder, is there someone he's expecting the FBI to arrest? <laughs> he's just like, from now on, if they're gonna arrest someone, they have to give them a 20-minute head start and a golf cart. <laughs> And if they do catch them, give them, like, a very cool massage, like the ones from China. <laughs> what I also find funny about this, if you, if you analyze Trump, is how much he's changed. Like, in many ways, it's like Trump... Trump reminds me of, like, those rappers who are all about money in the beginning, and then they become conscious. Because at the beginning, he was just like, so much money, living my life, doing good things. And then now he's like, let's talk about how my people are treated by the police. This is not cool. <laughs> All my people getting taken away. I'm not talking about money anymore. We've got to change the game. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. If you're one of those people who loves sharing everything on social media, it may cost you. Because in New York, regulators have now issued guidelines for how insurers can look at your social media and charge you more depending on what you post. Yeah, your premiums could go up because of what you post. I think that is super unfair. Yeah, because half the stuff we post on social media is a lie, okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say it, it's a lie. I never actually went skiing in the Alps, okay? <laughs> I just went to Central Park and I changed the geotag. That's all I did. <laughs> and also, I've never actually eaten Japanese blowfish, all right? I just Googled an image and I posted it on the gram. That wasn't even me, okay? And that time I posted a picture where I was smiling, I wasn't actually happy, all right? <laughs> I made that face for the camera, but deep down inside, I'm empty. <laughs> and the only thing that validates me are strangers' likes. <laughs> and now insurance wants to charge me for that? Oh. It's fine. Follow me and tell me how, how you feel. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Democrats... Democrats and Republicans in Congress are still working towards a deal on border security. And right now, they agree on a lot of things, but the biggest sticking point is wall or no wall. And today, the president stepped in, saying he doesn't want any of these shady politicians calling it a fence or a barrier or any of that trash. A wall is a wall. You should call it a wall. Yeah. By the way, who are these shady politicians who are trying to call the wall something else? We don't use the word wall necessarily. We'll call it a barrier instead of a wall. The barrier, the wall. Call it whatever you want. I don't care what you call it. You can call it a barrier. Whatever they'd like to call it. I'll call it whatever they want. A steel wall, or you could call it a steel fence. Or a slat fence. They can name it peaches. I don't care what they name it. Okay, can I just say, can I just say, if the wall is called peaches, then I think we should build a wall. <laughs> I'm just gonna put it out there. Because Peaches the Border Wall is the most adorable thing <laughs> I have ever heard. Like, you call a wall Peaches, it takes away all the stigma, right? Peaches isn't xenophobic. Peaches isn't racist. Peaches is just a wall trying to do wally things. It's Peaches. <laughs> yeah. Like, I bet if you called the Border Wall Peaches, even drug smugglers wouldn't want to breach that wall. They'd be like, hey, man, we need to get through the wall. Pass me the sledgehammer. I'd be like, no, cabron, I'm not taking a hammer to Peaches, man. <laughs> what do I look like, an animal? We don't need to do this, man. Besides, most drugs are smuggled through legal ports of entry anyways, man. Don't you watch Rachel Maddow? Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our top story. <laughs> this weekend is Super Bowl Sunday, the one day of the year where eating 100 buffalo wings is considered an appetizer. <laughs> it's also the one day of the year where people are more excited to watch the ads than the game. In fact, and this is completely true, TiVo 
will have a feature where if you record the game, you can skip the actual football game so you can go straight to the Super Bowl commercials, <laughs> which I think is a really great feature. I wish they had it for real life. Because you know when you're at a Super Bowl party, there's gonna be some guy who's trying to talk to you about stats or something boring. I wish I could have just TiVo the person, just be like, boop, 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 just skip the conversation. <laughs> Actually, now that I think about it, you don't even need the feature. You could just do that in real life. Just, <laughs> just make that sound. If someone comes up to you and starts saying something boring, just be like, boop, 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 boop. They will stop talking to you. <laughs> anyway, to get us all ready uh, for all things Super Bowl, it's time for us to go to our sports segment with Roy Wood Jr. and Michael Costa in another edition of I Apologize for Talking While You Were Talking. <laughs> Everybody, I'm Roy Wood Jr. And I'm Michael Costa. Roy, are you pumped mm -hmm. for Super Bowl L I I I I I I A? Yeah! Costa, I'm so pumped yep. that I got a tattoo of the word Super Bowl on my ass in Chinese. Check that out. Roy, all that says is oil change, five bucks, man. <laughs> anyway, moving on. The ads are only part of the Super Bowl. Costa, yep. did you know? There's also a football game. There is. New England Patriots versus the LA Rams. East Coast versus West Coast. Uh -huh. Reminds me of that beef between Tupac and the notorious B.I. Smalls. Don't do that, don't. <laughs> don't do that. Anyway, Tom Brady's back in the Super Bowl and he's breaking records before he even hits the field. At the age of 41, Tom Brady will be the oldest quarterback to start a Super Bowl. Here's another age thing, 32-year-old Sean McVay, he'll be the youngest head coach ever in a Super Bowl. Damn, man, you got the oldest quarterback and the youngest coach. Tom Brady's been playing football so long, even his concussions are old enough to drive. Yeah, <laughs> but they never remember where they're going. Yeah, they never remember that. And when your head coach is that young, you need someone to rein them in. Yep. Fortunately, Coach McVay in Los Angeles has someone to do just that. During the game, you'll see Rams head coach Sean McVay. He'll be on the sideline, and he has his own personal get-back coach. There's a line on the field players and coaches can't cross, and the get-back coach keeps you behind that line so you don't get penalized. There is an art to it. It is kind of like a dance. Maybe tango, like a sidestep into the path of the official and then remove back. Okay, okay. Now, let me get this straight. So, so, so here's what we got. Yep. You got the get back coach yep. making sure the head coach gets back. Yep. But who's making sure the get back coach gets back? What you need is a get back, get back coach back back. That's just a conga line. Roy, I... <laughs> Are you high, man? Okay, hmm. look now, I Football. know sports is no place for politics, but this just proves our country doesn't need a wall. All we have to do is put this guy at the border and have him pull back illegal immigrants. Like, hey man, let oh, me no, in. No, come oh, on back. oh, look, Texas. Oh, no, 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 no. Try over here. No, 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 you can't go over there. Come on back. Come on back. Come on back. See what I mean? Oh, you almost right. snuck in. You almost snuck yeah. in that country there, didn't you? All right, man. Yeah, well, yeah. that's all the time we have right now. But real quick, Costa, yeah. what are you doing for the big game? Oh, thanks for asking. I have a bunch of friends coming over. Okay. I have a great spread. I'm importing some pastrami from Italy. It's going to be a fun party. Why? What are you doing, Roy? Oh, I was, I was just going to watch the game at home alone because no one really in invites me to anything. Roy, Roy, you don't have to watch the game alone. Just, oh. just go to a bar <laughs> alone. <laughs> hey, Trevor, I'll see you Sunday at my party. 
You're damn right, Michael. Yeah, Where would you Michael Costa, everybody? We'll be right back. about social media. What started as a cute way to share your brunch photos is now tearing the world apart. From an epidemic of fake news to the Lincoln Memorial standoff going viral before anyone knew the facts, to people killing off celebrities with online death hoaxes. It's terrible. Every single day, people are tweeting RIP at celebrities who are just taking a nap. <laughs> so what can we do to end the chaos that social media is causing? Well, here to help us figure it all out is a man who still has a MySpace account, Neil Brennan, everybody! <laughs> Thanks, buddy. P.S. Tom says hi. <laughs> Trevor, the way I see it, the problem with social media is the problem America always has. We overdo everything. The Egyptians invented bread, America invented unlimited breadsticks. The Greeks invented drama, we invented love and hip-hop Atlanta. <laughs> the French invented the menage a trois, we invented the Bukaki 5000. Wait, wait, isn't Bukaki Japanese? Yes, but America added the 5,000. <laughs> Point is, we overdo everything, and social media is our latest monstrosity, and it's kind of destroying us. But good news, your old pal Neil knows just how to fix it. I got my inspiration from another problem, guns. There are a ton of great gun control ideas that we're never gonna use. That's when it hit me. What America needs is common sense phone control. Wait, I, I don't understand what that means. Then allow me to continue. <laughs> Buddy, our phones are just like guns. You think it's a good idea to have one, but statistically, you're more likely to use it to hurt yourself. Ask any of these people. Because of a tweet, they all got into serious trouble, which is why I'm stealing a page from gun control and proposing a three-day waiting period on all tweets. If Kevin Hart had a three-day waiting period, he'd have been like, I'm not gonna post this homophobic tweet. I'm gonna post a promotional tweet about one of the 15 movies I've got coming out this weekend. What else? How about another gun control idea that's not being used? Mental health checks. Let's apply that to Facebook. Before you can share something on your timeline, you have to pass a simple cognition test. <laughs> Question one, does the government release chemtrails from airplanes? A, no, or B, hells yeah, that's how the frogs got gay. <laughs> Question two, did Beyonce fake her pregnancy? A, of course not, or B, these Hollywood people out here acting crazy, you don't know. <laughs> Question three, do Jewish people control the weather? A, absolutely not, or B, I'm no anti-Semite, but yes, Jews do control the weather. <laughs> if we constantly have to prove we're not robots, we should also have to prove we're not stupid dumbasses. Here's another regulation. Before you can use Instagram, you need to pass a background check. Oh, I get it, I get it. Like for people who might be criminals or stalkers. No, I mean, if you're gonna do a selfie, check your background first. <laughs> Make sure the stuff behind you isn't weird. Like sometimes I'll see pictures and be like, why is there a microwave next to your toilet? <laughs> and ladies, 
if you're going to post a thirst trap, try to crop out your husband and or your baby. <laughs> but come to think of it, buddy, your criminal's idea sounds good, too. We should have a rule for that on Instagram. If you have a history of harassment, you're blocked. You don't get to creep on the gram. No butt cheeks for you, dog. But on the upside, you don't have to look at pictures, and this is real, of idiots at an amusement park. And, and by the way, Trevor, I think it's wrong that you murdered that minion and used it as a hat. No, Neil, what was wrong is that that minion called me a racial slur, okay? It looked me dead in the eye, and it was like, Misa Madaguba that I... Not cool, buddy. Not cool. That's not his word to use. My point is, buddy... We need to be saved from ourselves. We have speed limits. We have regulations on medication. We have calorie counts. We ignore them, but we have them. Now more than ever, America needs phone control. You know what, Neil? I'm sold. And I think what would set a great example is if you let me take your phone away first. Typical liberal. <laughs> Trevor, you'll get my phone when you pry it from my cold, dead hands. Neil Brennan, everyone! We'll be right back. I'll just take it. I'll take it from you. Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is a Democrat from Minnesota who became the first Somali-American and the first refugee to be elected to Congress. Please welcome back to the show Congresswoman Ilhan Omar. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me back. It's uh, been a long time since you were last here, and you have done a lot since then. Congratulations. Thank you. At uh, making your way into Congress. That is exciting. It's been a long journey. It has been a long journey, and it has been a fruitful journey as well. Um, people love throwing the first at you. Do, you. do you ever get tired of having to be the first of everything? We will go first refugee, first Somali woman, first woman of color to represent Minnesota. It's just like first, 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 first. people just add extra firsts that are not real. <laughs> <laughs> first woman <laughs> named so Ilhan yeah, yeah, to yeah. be in Congress. Yes, yes. <laughs> right. um, but but you, you are a trailblazer. I mean, uh, just the hijab alone is something that fundamentally changed what Congress was. There was a ban on the hijab for, I think it was over 100 years, apparently. 187 years. I, I, and that, that changed because of you. Yeah. What, was, there, was there, like, backlash? Does anyone, like, look at you and go, does anyone say anything about it? Or was everyone like, yeah, yeah, this, this makes sense? I mean, so, the, it's interesting, because there was a, a, a ban on hats and oh. headwear. And what people didn't realize is that it, it made it unconstitutional to apply it to me, because we are supposed to have religious liberty in this country. Right. And so, um, it would have applied uh, a religious test. And so, lifting it is just upholding our constitution. And people are like, oh, they did her a favor, and all of these people are right, right, changing right. things for her. And it's like, no, we're just following the constitution. It does, it does feel like... <laughs> it does... It does feel like there is a certain tension around uh, the, the freshman group of Congress people who have come in, you know, after these midterms. You know, you feel a lot of the old guard, especially on the right, terrified of the group. You know, it's yourself, it's Ocasio-Cortez, it's Rashida Tlaib. Like, you have these people where everyone's just going like, they, they're, they're troublemakers, they're here to cause chaos. Are you yeah. there to cause chaos? I mean, they could hear us coming from afar, and I... <laughs> and I... 
and I really believe it. You know, I mean, all of us were ready and are still ready to throw down on behalf of the American people. We're ready to throw down and make sure that we're taking care of health care once and for all, and right. that we're making sure to get rid of uh, for-profit prisons and that we're um, going to cancel out student debt and free young people from, right, like the shackles of debt. Wow. And so Trump and, um, and the Republicans could see us coming and so they shut down the government and it ended up being this really interestingly, bizarrely scripted scene from like the House of Cards. Yes. Um, except he wasn't as entertaining or strategic as Frank Underwood. <laughs> And, and so we, we, we're here, like, excited to get sworn in into this historic, right, historic Congress. And we came into another bizarre history because right. the shutdown we walked into was the first shutdown, not only, like, the longest, but the first shutdown that was orchestrated by a president of this country. Oh, that's interesting. And, right? you know, you and I come from foreign countries. Yes. And so in many of the foreign countries around the world, if a president or a prime minister was to shut down government, they would probably be a vote of no confidence. Mm -hmm. He would no longer be president. That's interesting. Right? He, there, and there, we're, there, and there we're sitting things. here and we're not holding him accountable That's... for shutting down the government for 35 days and getting nothing. It does, out of it. it does seem like Trump operates um, under, uh, you know, a set of rules that no one else does, and it's, and that's it's delusional. That's why. <laughs> and you you haven't been afraid to call him out on that. But let's talk about some of those policies that you spoke about. Mm -hmm. One of the br biggest criticisms that you know you always hear leveled against you and and the group of freshmen who have come in generally is that people go, oh, these are lofty ambitions that can't be achieved. America doesn't have the money to cancel student debt. America doesn't have the money for Medicare for all. America just doesn't have the money. How would you propose getting the money to pay for these amazing programs? America has money. Money isn't. We don't have a problem of scarcity, really. What we have is a problem of moral carriage, right? Our budgets really are supposed to be... Our budgets are supposed to be uh, an example of, of our, our moral values. Right. And so, you know, this is why I got on the budget committee, because I'm excited to make sure that we have a budget that's reflective of our values. And so what we need to do is we need to make sure that we are prioritizing and funding policies that create positive impact in people's day-to-day -day lives. Mm -hmm. We have been prioritizing in enriching the wealthy. We have given in to um, caving in, right, like to the powers of special interest. And right. so we need to make sure that we're holding special interest accountable, that we're getting money out of politics, that we are uh, taxing the uber-rich, right. um, that the 1% gets to pay their fair share. Right. Um, so this is, this is why we're proposing a marginal tax rate. Um, we want to make sure that the American people recognize government as one that works for them and works on behalf of their interests. If you... <laughs> if you've been following the shutdown, for most people the story has been that um, Democrats and Republicans are now working on a plan to fund uh, border security. And, you know, you listen to Nancy Pelosi speak, and it seems like the biggest sticking point is really the wall, but a, a lot of people agree on the basic fundamentals of giving more money to the border, to, you know, for border security and improving that. But 
yourself and a few of your freshman co colleagues have come out and you wrote a letter saying, no, we should cut funding mm -hmm. to these programs. That's a really controversial stance to take. Why? I mean, because what we have been doing is that we've, we've just had slush funds to, to fund pri private detention centers for young kids who are being put in cages. That is, that is not in line with our values. Right. We want to make sure that every single dollar that we have um, is used to actually care and, and, and provide something that is in line with our values. We have, you know, Minnesota, I, that's where I come from, it's negative 60 degrees yesterday. Mm -hmm. We have a homeless crisis. We have people who are freezing. And what we can do with the money that we have is make sure that we're investing $20 billion in providing homes to our homeless folks right. that would get rid of homelessness in this country. <laughs> what we can do is that we can stop the constant increase of our defense budget. Since 9-11, it increased nearly 50%. We have not had that high of an increase in education funding. Mm -hmm. We haven't had that kind of increase in healthcare funding, right? We don't invest in the things that actually positively impact people but we are willing to invest in things that give contracts to uh, companies and corporations that benefit from our struggles and right. our pains. And that's not gonna happen under our watch. Let me ask you this. You, um, you're someone who has been very outspoken. You've, you, you know, you've always spoken your mind. You've always spoken directly to people, voters, your colleagues, et cetera. And recently, you come under fire for a few of your previous comments. Um, recently. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, well, most recently, you know, there, there was, a, there was a, a tweet that you had a while ago criticizing Israel and what, uh, you know, how they're handling the crisis in Palestine and, and, and in Gaza. And you said, uh, you know, Israel is hypnotizing the world with what they're doing. Uh, you apologized after that for... And you, what you said was really interesting to me in the apology. You said... I, I apologize for focusing on the, on the semantic argument and, ex and clarifying my comments. Mm -hmm. and, but I, I, I apologize for not making people understand that I was completely not trying to be anti-Semitic and not standing up and fighting against that anti-Semitism. Because, I mean, you know, people who may not know, but the, 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 the idea of Jewish people hypnotizing anyone is, is part of the stigma that led to many yeah. of them, you know, the, the Holocaust and many of the hate crimes against them. Yeah. You apologize for that. But, but you've still stood yeah. fast with your criticism of Israel. You, you, you still criticize people that you don't agree with. How do you find that balance between criticizing people and then also not looking like you are condemning mass groups of people as opposed to governments? Yeah. I was going to say, with, with, with that tweet, what I finally realized is um, I, I, the realization that I hope that people... Um, come to when we're having a conversation about white privilege. Right. You know, people would be like, I, I grew up in a poor neighborhood. I can't be privileged. Right. Can you stop saying that? I haven't benefited from my whiteness. Uh -huh. um, and it's like, no, we're talking about systematic, right? Right, right, right. Um, and so for me, that happened for me. I was like, I, I, do not call me that. That's not what I was doing. Right. And it was like, oh, I, w I, I see what you're saying now. And so I, you, ha I had to take a deep breath and understand where people were coming from and what point they were trying to make. Interesting. Um, right? Which is what I expect people to do when I'm talking to them, right, about things that impact me or offend me. And what is important in, in, in this conversation is that we separate 
the, the land, the people, and administrations. When I talk about what we are doing wrong in this country, it's not because I hate this country. It's not because I don't see myself as American. It's because I love this country and because I am American and because I wanted to do better. And so when I talk about places like Saudi Arabia or you know, um, Israel or even now with, with Venezuela, I'm not criticizing the people. I'm not criticizing their faith. I'm not criticizing um, their way of life. What I am criticizing is what's happening at the moment. And I want for there to be accountability so that the government, that administration, that regime can do better because I believe that we all deserve better and the human collective mm -hmm. um, requires us to speak up when we see something wrong. Thank you so much for coming back on. Congresswoman Ohan Omar, everybody. Thank you so much. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.